Chapter Fifty Two of Astoria or Anecdotes of an Enterprise Beyond the Rocky Mountains by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Banks of the Walla Walla, Departure of David Stewart for the Okanagan, Mr. Clark's Route up Lewis River, Chippenish or Pierced Nose Indians, Their Character, Appearance, and Habits, Thievish Habits, Laying Up of the Boats post at pointed heart and spokane rivers mackenzie his route up the camoenum bands of travelling indians expedition of reed to the caches adventures of wandering voyageurs and trappers the course of our narrative now takes us back to the regions beyond the mountains to dispose of the parties that set out from astoria in company with mr robert stewart and whom he left on the banks of the walla walla those parties likewise separated from each other shortly after his departure proceeding to their respective destinations but agreeing to meet at the mouth of the walla walla about the beginning of june in the following year with such peltries as they should have collected in the winter so as to convoy each other through the dangerous passes of the columbia mr david stewart one of the partners proceeded with his men to the post already established by him at the mouth of the okanagan having furnished this with goods and ammunition he proceeded three hundred miles up that river where he established another post in a good trading neighborhood mr clark another partner conducted his little band up lewis river to the mouth of a small stream coming in from the north to which the canadians gave the name of the pavillon here he found a village or encampment of forty huts or tents covered with mats and inhabited by nez perces or pierced nose indians as they are called by the traders but chippenish as they are called by themselves they are a hardy laborious and somewhat knavish race who lead a precarious life fishing and digging roots during the summer and autumn hunting the deer on snowshoes during the winter and traversing the rocky mountains in the spring to trade for buffalo skins with the hunting tribes of the missouri in these migrations they are liable to be waylaid and attacked by the blackfeet and other warlike and predatory tribes and driven back across the mountains with the loss of their horses and of many of their comrades a life of this unsettled and precarious kind is apt to render man selfish and such mr clark found the inhabitants of this village who were deficient in the usual hospitality of indians parting with everything with extreme reluctance and showing no sensibility to any act of kindness at the time of his arrival they were all occupied in catching and curing salmon the men were stout robust active and good-looking and the women handsomer than those of the tribes nearer to the coast it was the plan of mr clark to lay up his boats here and proceed by land to his place of destination which was among the spokane tribe of indians about a hundred and fifty miles distant he accordingly endeavored to purchase horses for the journey but in this he had to contend with the sordid disposition of these people they asked high prices for their horses and were so difficult to deal with that mr clark was detained seven days among them before he could procure a sufficient number during that time he was annoyed by repeated pilferings for which he could get no redress the chief promised to recover the stolen articles 
but failed to do so alleging that the thieves belonged to a distant tribe and had made off with their booty with this excuse mr clark was fain to content himself though he laid up in his heart a bitter grudge against the whole pierced nose race which it will be found he took occasion subsequently to gratify in a signal manner having made arrangements for his departure mr clark laid up his barge and canoes in a sheltered place on the banks of a small bay overgrown with shrubs and willows confiding them to the care of the nez Perce chief who on being promised an ample compensation engaged to have a guardian eye upon them then mounting his steed and putting himself at the head of his little caravan he shook the dust off his feet as he turned his back upon this village of rogues and hard dealers we shall not follow him minutely in his journey which lay at times over steep and rocky hills and among crags and precipices at other times over vast naked and sunburnt plains abounding with rattlesnakes in traversing which both men and horses suffered intolerably from heat and thirst the place on which he fixed for a trading post was a fine point of land at the junction of the pointed heart and spokane rivers his establishment was intended to compete with a trading post of the northwest company situated at no great distance and to rival it in the trade with the spokane indians as well as with the kootenays and flatheads in this neighborhood we shall leave him for the present mr mackenzie who conducted the third party from the walla walla navigated for several days up the south branch of the columbia named the camoenum by the natives but commonly called lewis river in honor of the first explorer wandering bands of various tribes were seen along this river traveling in various directions for the indians generally are restless roving beings continually intent on enterprises of war traffic and hunting some of these people were driving large gangs of horses as if to a distant market having arrived at the mouth of the shahaptan he ascended some distance up that river and established his trading post upon its banks this appeared to be a great thoroughfare for the tribes from the neighborhood of the falls of the columbia in their expeditions to make war upon the tribes of the rocky mountains to hunt buffalo on the plains beyond or to traffic for roots and buffalo robes it was the season of migration and the indians from various distant parts were passing and repassing in great numbers mr mackenzie now detached a small band under the conduct of mr john reed to visit the caches made by mr hunt at the cauldron lynn and to bring the contents to his post as he depended in some measure on them for his supplies of goods and ammunition they had not been gone a week when two indians arrived of the palatapala tribe who live upon a river of the same name these communicated the unwelcome intelligence that the caches had been robbed they said that some of their tribe had in the course of the preceding spring been across the mountains which separated them from snake river and had traded horses with the snakes in exchange for blankets robes and goods of various descriptions these articles the snakes had procured from caches to which they were guided by some white men who resided among them and who afterwards accompanied them across the rocky mountains this intelligence was extremely perplexing to mr mackenzie 
but the truth of part of it was confirmed by the two indians who brought them an english saddle and bridle which was recognized as having belonged to mr crooks the perfidy of the white men who revealed the secret of the caches was however perfectly inexplicable we shall presently account for it in narrating the expedition of mr reed that worthy hibernian proceeded on his mission with his usual alacrity his forlorn travels of the preceding winter had made him acquainted with the topography of the country and he reached snake river without any material difficulty here in an encampment of the natives he met with six white men wanderers from the main expedition of mr hunt who after having had their respective shares of adventures and mishaps had fortunately come together at this place three of these men were turcot la chapelle and francis landry the three canadian voyageurs who it may be recollected had left mr crooks in february in the neighbourhood of snake river being dismayed by the increasing hardships of the journey and fearful of perishing of hunger they had returned to a snake encampment where they passed the residue of the winter early in the spring being utterly destitute and in great extremity and having worn out the hospitality of the snakes they determined to avail themselves of the buried treasures within their knowledge they accordingly informed the snake chieftains that they knew where a great quantity of goods had been left in caches enough to enrich the whole tribe and offered to conduct them to the place on condition of being rewarded with horses and provisions the chieftains pledged their faith and honour as great men and snakes and the three canadians conducted them to the place of deposit at the cauldron lynn this is the way that the savages got knowledge of the caches and not by following the tracks of wolves as mr stewart had supposed never did money diggers turn up a miser's hoard with more eager delight than did the savages lay open the treasures of the caches blankets and robes brass trinkets and blue beads were drawn forth with chuckling exultation and long strips of scarlet cloth produced yells of ecstasy the rifling of the caches effected a change in the fortunes and deportment of the whole party the snakes were better clad and equipped than ever were snakes before and the three canadians suddenly finding themselves with horse to ride and weapon to wear were like beggars on horseback ready to ride on any wild scamper an opportunity soon presented the snakes determined on a hunting match on the buffalo prairies to lay in a supply of beef that they might live in plenty as became men of their improved condition the three newly mounted cavaliers must fain accompany them they all traversed the rocky mountains in safety descending to the headwaters of the missouri and made great havoc among the buffaloes their hunting camp was full of meat they were gorging themselves like true indians with present plenty and drying and jerking great quantities for a winter's supply in the midst of their revelry and good cheer the camp was surprised by the blackfeet several of the snakes were slain on the spot the residue with their three canadian allies fled to the mountains stripped of horses buffalo meat and everything and made their way back to the old encampment on snake river poorer than ever 
but esteeming themselves fortunate in having escaped with their lives they had not been long there when the canadians were cheered by the sight of a companion in misfortune Dubriel, the poor voyageur who had left mr crooks in march being too much exhausted to keep on with him not long afterwards three other straggling members of the main expedition made their appearance these were carson st michael and pierre de launay three of the trappers who in company with pierre de taille had been left among the mountains by mr hunt to trap beaver in the preceding month of september they had departed from the main body well armed and provided with horses to ride and horses to carry the peltries they were to collect they came wandering into the snake camp as ragged and destitute as their predecessors it appears that they had finished their trapping and were making their way in the spring to the missouri when they were met and attacked by a powerful band of the all-pervading crows they made a desperate resistance and killed seven of the savages but were overpowered by numbers pierre de taille was slain the rest were robbed of horses and effects and obliged to turn back when they fell in with their old companions as already mentioned we should observe that at the heels of pierre de launay came draggling an indian wife whom he had picked up in his wanderings having grown weary of celibacy among the savages the whole seven of this forlorn fraternity of adventurers thus accidentally congregated on the banks of snake river were making arrangements once more to cross the mountains when some indian scouts brought word of the approach of the little band headed by john reed the latter having heard the several stories of these wanderers took them all into his party and set out for the cauldron lynn to clear out two or three of the caches which had not been revealed to the indians at that place he met with robinson the kentucky veteran who with his two comrades resner and hoback had remained there when mr stewart went on this adventurous trio had been trapping higher up the river but robinson had come down in a canoe to await the expected arrival of the party and obtain horses and equipments he told reed the story of the robbery of his party by the arapahoes but it differed in some particulars from the account given by him to mr stewart in that he had represented cass as having shamefully deserted his companions in their extremity carrying off with him a horse in the one now given he spoke of him as having been killed in the affray with the arapahoes this discrepancy of which of course reed could have had no knowledge at the time concurred with other circumstances to occasion afterwards some mysterious speculations and dark surmises as to the real fate of cass but as no substantial grounds were ever adduced for them we forbear to throw any deeper shades into this story of sufferings in the wilderness mr reed having gathered the remainder of the goods from the caches put himself at the head of his party now augmented by the seven men thus casually picked up and the squaw of pierre delaunay and made his way successfully to mackenzie's post on the waters of the Shahaptan. End of chapter 52